Well, good morning. Join me in the Gospel of St. Luke, uh, chapter 2. <clears throat> Such an exciting chapter. We spent a long time in uh, <clears throat> chapter 1. And <clears throat> the chapter 2 just has the Gospel practically... Every line, every page, every verse, <clears throat> and <clears throat> in chapter one, <clears throat> we spent a, a, a lot of time looking at the the things that the Lord had arranged to, for the birth of John the Baptist and our Savior, and the things concerning that, and <clears throat> uh, all the particulars around that. And now we have the actual. Uh, particulars of the actual birth of the Lord, and and I, it just struck me the eternal providence that was involved in the whole thing, and and people just kind of have a random view of things a lot of times, and uh, the the Lord just created the world, and then He just kind of let it go, and and He just is in a reactionary mode. But we find out from the very beginning that. Everything is according to his purpose. There, the world is here for, for the purpose of redeeming the church. There's, there's no other reason for it to be. And, and as we look at eternal providence as it relates to the Savior, <clears throat> here as we get into chapter 2, uh, let's just read the first few verses here of chapter 2 of Luke. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Uh, that uh, that word is not like we would think of a tax as like uh, pay your taxes on April 15th. It's actually a word that means to register, to enroll. It was kind of like David says, I, want, let's, I wonder how many people I have in my empire. Let's count them and name them. And, <clears throat> and uh, so it's, it's a word that, that kind of means to enroll or register. And they probably did get taxed as a result of that. <laughs> they got taxed for everything else. Remember Matthew the publican, his, his job was to collect taxes for the, the Roman Empire. Uh, so anyway, and this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. <clears throat> and... Uh, so we're going to kind of focus on that a little bit there today. There's just a ton in there. Uh, <clears throat> the the providence of God just it just struck me. Uh, in, when Solomon was blessing the temple, he said, Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest. And here is the rest being born. Uh, the rest unto his people Israel, according to all that he has promised, <clears throat> There hath not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised by the hand of Moses, his servant. Well, what did Moses, what did Moses record for us? 
in Genesis 3.15. The seed of the woman is going to bruise or crush the head of the serpent. Galatians 4.4 says, When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. And many such things we find is that, but if we just think about the Roman Empire, you know, the Roman Empire came into being a long time before Christ was died. uh, I think Pompey came in and conquered Jerusalem in 60 BC, something like that, and and it it became an official Roman province just because they were extra tough. Or was it because of what was written in Daniel, <laughs> chapter 7? <clears throat> this fourth empire came into being, and and during that time, uh, the Savior was going to appear. And <clears throat> a horn of salvation raised up in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. And... Uh, Chapter 1 of Luke, verse 69 70. <laughs> we read that. And uh, the day spring from on high has visited us, uh, <clears throat> as it was written uh, from chapter 1, verse 78. The fulfillment of the angel Gabriel from the Father to Mary. And as we look at the Romans, <clears throat> they, they came into being, and Caesar, it was put in his heart to tax his empire, to enroll his empire, to register them, to count them up and cause them all to go to their hometown, uh, the city of their ancestors, to be enrolled. And that caused Joseph and Mary to travel to Bethlehem, the city of his ancestors. In in Luke chapter 1, verse 30, the angels told Mary to fear not, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. <clears throat> All these things written in the Old Testament, prophesied of, the Roman Empire brought into being to bring all these things together at this particular point in time, what what the Lord calls the fullness of time that had come for His Son to come. And in this chapter, as we get into chapter 2, he's, he's called the Consolation of Israel. He's called the Light of the World. And the glory of thy people, Israel. And we know that that they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Uh, from Romans chapter 9, verse 6. And, in per- and there's a, a, a person named Simeon here. He came to the temple at, waiting for the consolation. He came waiting for the Lord. And, and the Lord promised him 
that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he, uh, I, I really appreciate what Norm said. Uh, I can't remember if it was a Sunday or a Wednesday, but he said that's something that every elect person of God can say. They'll not see death until they have, until Christ has been revealed to them. Uh, <clears throat> he'll he'll not lose a single one. All that the Father gives him shall come to him. <clears throat> this chapter gives indisputable evidence that Christ was made of a woman, made under the law. <clears throat> they went to Bethlehem and then had that baby, and then eight days later they they circumcised him, and they they went to the temple and made and offered their sacrifice. They, and when they had performed all things according to the law, then they went home. So he was made of a woman, made under the law. Anna the prophetess that we find in this chapter spake of Christ to, and she says to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. They attended the Passover feast every year, it tells us in this chapter, according to the law. Can you imagine just for a second Christ going to the Passover feast every year and this is about me. This is what I'm going to do. This pictures me knowing full well the purpose of it that he was going to lay down his life a ransom, an atonement. The grace of God was upon him, it says. <clears throat> and he, as a child, he said, I must be about my father's business. So it wasn't like he got to be a full-grown man and then said, okay, I guess I'll be a minister now and a servant and, and go about doing moral good things and healing people. <clears throat> From the time he was, before he was born, I just loved what I was reading Matthew Henry's commentary. And he said, Try to imagine the ancient of days becoming a child of time. The everlasting father becoming an infant. So, some things, there's plenty of things to ponder in this, in this chapter. Jesus coming to save his people from their sins, the redemption of the church. It tells about his exhibition of knowledge and, and interchange with the religious experts. And later on we find they said, how does he know all that stuff? He's, he's from Galilee. The Galilee are kind of scum. <laughs> we don't really have a lot to do with the Galileans. They're, they're kind of crude and vulgar and their language is bad and they're not very knowledgeable. How does this man know know scripture? Where where did he go to school? He didn't he didn't come to Jerusalem and go to the the college of whatever. <clears throat> uh, but he, it says he increased both in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man, both of whom he represented perfectly. So to begin our study in Luke chapter 2 today, that's kind of our introductory remarks there about all the things that we're liable to run into and not, not 
uh, an exhaustive list by any means, but the, some of the main things that we would hit in this chapter. And, but I wanted to look today to cause us to consider a few things regarding the circumstances that we're reading of and the sovereign purposes of God and bringing them about according to his perfect will. And and now, uh, then as now we might take the, the in taking the short view, we, we might consider many of the things which God brought to pass uh, mighty inconvenient for us. <laughs> I think that all the time. And as we view things from our human perspective and base our in, if we look at it from our finite human understanding of time and purpose, it's just a, a constant task for us to say, Lord, align my mind according to thy will and not the other way around. Now the Romans, <clears throat> nobody likes to be conquered. If somebody came in and conquered us today, we'd just be mighty upset about it. And we would just fail to see God's hand in that probably. <laughs> These folks have been conquered like four times. They're, they are vassals of the Roman Empire as we speak. <clears throat> and they've been given a level of certain level of independence religious-wise. They were under Roman law and, and certain things that had to do with the Jewish law and religion. They were allowed to conduct those things according to their... As long as they paid up on time and didn't cause trouble, they were kind of allowed to do what they wanted. But they they were they were subjects of the Roman Empire. Paul said, "I am a citizen of Rome." <clears throat> and <clears throat> God brought that about. He brought that Roman Empire about. I don't know how many people, thousands of people, were killed in their conquest of the known world at the time to accomplish the purpose of God. <clears throat> and and other things that it's just too numerous or to even imagine all the things that went on <clears throat> for God to bring about his purpose of having Caesar be in charge and saying, okay, everybody go to their hometown and, and enroll, get registered, get signed in. But he did that according to his purpose. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, people are always trying to inflict their views of how things should be on God, but uh, his ways are higher than our ways and uh, <clears throat> he, doesn't, he doesn't answer to us. <clears throat> but he did it. Nothing was done in secret. God announced in advance everything that would come about to fulfill his almighty purpose in the redemption of the church. We read from Genesis 3.15. We read from Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light. light overcoming the darkness and the void and the disaster. <clears throat> the fallen Adam, which brought the resulting spiritual death and the need for a Savior as detailed in chapter 3, 
as recorded by Moses, the remedy that God provided, the promise of a Savior. I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And unto Adam, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, unto Adam and his wife did the Lord God made clothes of skin and clothed them. He made coats of skin and clothed them. And now thousands of years later in time as we understand it, by the direct providence of the working of Almighty God, the Roman Empire is here as revealed in in Daniel chapter uh, 7. And and he was was a captive in Babylon at the time. (laughs) So he probably thought, well, this is inconvenient. But you know what? He had faith in God and prayed to God. And <clears throat> and he said, whatever your purpose is, I'm here. And I'd like to know more. And God revealed to him things. But even after it was revealed to him, he says, well, that made my head hurt. <laughs> <clears throat> so Daniel saw in this vision not only the empire to come, but most importantly... He saw one like the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. The Ancient of Days, it tells us in Daniel 7, verse 9 through 13. The Son of Man. He, the Lord had revealed to him <clears throat> born in subjection to the Roman Empire at the time The Lord caused to be counted as a tributary to the very Caesar whom God had put in control and placed in his heart and mind to command to cause the census of his empire. It's just like Norm was teaching us. Well, God put it in the heart of a Persian king to say, okay, it's time for you to go home and rebuild the city and the temple. He didn't come up with that by himself. God directed him to to do that. And so this Roman Empire, as it grew until it encompassed what was considered in the the scriptures here, it talks about the world. It's talking about the Roman world at the time because it was fairly uh, inclusive of most everything. And it included Judea, Judea, Syria, far north in, uh, into Europe, <clears throat> down into Africa. According to the providence of Almighty God to accomplish His, his purpose. And so Caesar fulfilled what God revealed and foretold by His servants, the prophets. In, in, again, in Luke chapter 1, verse 68 through 70, it says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. The house of David, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, that's what it says here in chapter 2. Joseph went up 
from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David. <clears throat> and Bethlehem is not there by accident. Bethlehem, the translation of that is house of bread. You, you, I know you all know that. <clears throat> and it was foretold in Micah 5.2, Thou Bethlehem Ephratah, thou, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah. Uh, I think I read where the population of Bethlehem at the time would be like around between two and five hundred. A small, a small place, probably about doofer size maybe, or some small town. <clears throat> Even though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee, out of the smallest thing, an unimportant seemingly place, shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Micah 5.2 Bethlehem had been revealed in, by God in types and shadows of, of the coming Redeemer. Uh, if you turn over to Ruth chapter 1, and I think Norm went through this uh, book of Ruth part here a little while ago. <clears throat> In <clears throat> Ruth had to, a lot of things happened to her in a brief amount of time. That they were in Moab, and they her husband died. Then her two sons died, and. Uh, <clears throat> Verse 16 of chapter 1, And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee, for whither thou goest I will go, and whither thou lodgest I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. That's the words of one of her daughters-in-law, Ruth, uh, uh, to Naomi. Naomi was the one that had the the husband that died and the two sons. and And she said, I'm going back home. There's nothing for me here. <clears throat> Where thou diest, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so unto me, and more also, if thou, if aught but death part thee and me. And when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her, and so they two went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass, when they were come to Bethlehem, that all the city was moved about them, and they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. If she only knew. <laughs> I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Isn't that kind of what the Lord does to us? We kind of go out full of ourselves, and when, when He gets us down to empty, then we, then we go to Bethlehem. Why then call ye me Naomi, saying, The Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley fest, the harvest of barley. Now, years ago, in, when we were studying John, we kind of went through the history of barley and 
noted that barley is the first crop. It's the first grain to ripen. It, it comes on one to three weeks ahead of the regular wheat crop. So it's the, the first fruits of the, the, the harvest. And it's kind of the lower grade quality of, of wheat, barley is. It's the, as a grain, it's not the, not the, the wonder, most wonderful, pure, white, the fine flour that we read about. <clears throat> but we find a lot of sacrifices in the Old Testament required barley. And, uh, <clears throat> and we find it here that they come to the house of bread at the time of the barley harvest. And, and we'll look into that a little bit more later. It says, And by God's mercy, Ruth came to Bethlehem, the house of bread, to be redeemed by Boaz, her near kinsman, a picture of the Lord our Redeemer, as Norm brought out. <clears throat> and then as we go up to chapter 3 of Ruth, in verse 9, it says, and he said, as, as Boaz is speaking to Ruth, he says, Who art thou? And she says, I am Ruth, thy handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thy handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. <clears throat> and he said, Blessed be the Lord, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou hast followed not the young men, neither uh, whether rich or, or poor. And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requires, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. It, that's how the Lord sees us. He, he sees us without spot and without wrinkle, and he does everything required for us to redeem us, the same as Boaz does for, for Ruth here. Uh, and and now it is true that I am thy near kinsman, and howbeit there's a kinsman nearer than I. In uh, chapter 4, verse 13, we've gone through that little segment where he had to go and talk to the other person that was the nearer kinsman and say, is, are, are you want to make any claim? And when they didn't, he said, oh, I'm going to exercise the near kinsman claim then. And in chapter 4, verse 13, So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And he went in unto her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the woman said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine old age for thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons have born him. Now Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the women, <clears throat> her neighbors, gave it a name saying, There is born a, a son to Naomi and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. And you'll find that uh, lineage here in chapter 3. If we went over to chapter 3, it goes through this uh, part here and it gives the lineage Luke takes it all the way back to to Adam the son he's the son of man if we go over to Matthew chapter 1 it only goes as far as Abraham where the covenant of promise was <clears throat> it's interesting but they both they both list in uh, <clears throat> Chapter uh, 3, verse 31, which 
uh, was the son of Melia, which was the son of Menan, which was the son of Metatha, which was the son of Nathan, which was the son of David, which was the son of Jesse, which was the son of Obed, which was the son of Boaz, which was the son of Salmon, which was the son of Naoson. And in uh, Matthew chapter 1, it, it says, <coughs> Boaz begot a, a son by Ruth. It, it mentions her name. <coughs> so, quite a story there as we, we see the Savior being taken back to Bethlehem, the very roots of of David, the very roots of the horn of salvation, the house of bread. You know, uh, we use barley flour when we make the, the, the unleavened loaf for the Lord's Supper. Because I think it symbolizes more the right conditions of things. And if you turn over to John chapter 6, as we look at Bethlehem, the house of bread, Ruth coming there at the barley harvest, in John chapter 6, <clears throat> in verse 8, they have this multitude of people there that have showed up to hear the Lord. One of his disciples, Andrew Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? But Jesus knew that the bread of life was, there was enough to go around. Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. We were just talking about maybe the if we had the 200 people at 270-something, it would just fill this place up. Imagine 5,000. That's a, that's a lot of folks. And that was just the men. They apparently didn't count the other ones. <clears throat> and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that, that nothing be lost. And, and they filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above all that they had eaten. There was enough and more. Where, where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. And then... <coughs> He takes that that picture. People come to him and say, "Boy, I want some more. Where's the next uh, free handout? <laughs> we want some more of that free bread." And, and uh, so 
down, if we skip down to verse uh, 31, he says, you know what? This is just physical bread that we're eating right now. It's just picture. It's a picture of the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. And they said, we'd like to be able to make this bread, instant bread. <laughs> what can we do to work the works of God? And he says, you know what? The, the, the work of God is not producing free bread. The, the work of God is causing you to believe in he whom he has sent. And so in verse 31, they said, as a counter, our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven. And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth light unto the world. And they said unto him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. <clears throat> but I said unto you, you've seen me and believe not. <clears throat> all that the Father giveth me, they're going to come for the spiritual bread. All that the Father giveth me, they're going to come to me and I'm not going to cast them out. I'm the bread of life. <clears throat> In Later on in Luke, the 22nd chapter, he took a loaf of that unleavened bread and when he was having his last supper with his disciples and took that and again he referenced himself as that, that bread of life and the spiritual sense of it. Not that the bread itself had a magical spiritual quality to about it that if they they took of it it would have magical qualities he said it's a symbol he gave thanks and break it gave unto them and saying this is my body which is given for you this do in remembrance of me it's a symbol that he was the bread of life that he was sent down from heaven do in do in remembrance of me and so as we're in Luke chapter 2 and Mary and Joseph travel to Bethlehem, the house of bread, to give birth to the bread from heaven. What a, what a beautiful spiritual picture that the Lord brings to us. And it's been there all along. <laughs> he's, he's told people about it all the way back from Ruth is a fairly old book from Genesis on. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. This is where it's going to happen. <clears throat> and the people knew it. They, they said, well, where's, where's the Lord supposed to be from? And they said, well, the prophets said Bethlehem. <laughs> That's where the Savior's, not Nazareth. I think a little later on we we see Philip and and his brother. Hey, I found this Messiah. 
And, oh yeah, where? He says, well, he's, he's over the, from Naz, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, can, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Can, that's not where the Savior's supposed to be from. He's supposed to be from Bethlehem. How can something, how can the Messiah be from Nazareth? That's not correct. And he said, come and see. He couldn't see for him, I think is the point. He had to he had to see the Savior for himself. He, his brother couldn't see it for him. I've seen him. I believe you have to you have to see for yourself. So we're going to stop there, and we're going to look at this a little bit more. The next time we're together, probably be a few weeks, I think. But uh, the scepter shall not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. And we find that, sure enough, the, the scepter has departed from Judah and Shiloh. He's there. And, and the people said, we have no king but Caesar. So stay tuned for next time. Thanks for your attention and always be free.